This is the Balanced Artist Podcast, where we help the purpose-driven creator's journey suck a little less and thrive a little more. Hosted by award-winning musician, TEDx speaker, and comedian, Rory Gardner. Who? We chat with experts who help level up your creative career by reframing your lifestyle as a balanced artist. Hello and welcome back to the Balanced Artist Podcast. This is a special day. This is a spe- I'm headed to Lexington, Kentucky today to, uh, to do a speech. And I haven't done any speaking in, in a, two years, I guess. Like before lockdown was the last time I did it. There's, uh, I was invited by the Breakfast of Champions to speak to a bunch of business leaders about resilience and overcoming the resistance and that whole thing. You've seen my TED Talk, right? Well, if you haven't, then just jump on YouTube and go have yourself a look. It's weird for me because it's like a, an event where people will be there. And we've spent the last couple of years not being around people for good reason. <laughs> so I don't know. Like it's Things are open there. Like We're almost back to normal, I suppose. Like I'm in Canada right now. Like last week, I had a prostate exam over Zoom. <laughs> you know, I'm self-administering this thing. The doctor's watching from the laptop. I think he was a doctor. I don't know. It was the kids are banging on the door. It was, a, it was a weird, weird situation. But we're here to engage this audience. I'm always grateful to be invited, but I, I'm always, I always question, like, why do you want me? Apparently, folks find me entertaining, but I, you know, with everyone, we all have our own self doubt and imposter syndrome. I'm like, do I really have anything to offer? Like, what is my value or, or what is what I'm doing really serving a purpose and maybe you feel the same way in your own thing or maybe you're at the beginning where you just you want to make a pivot and you just don't know where to get started or maybe you're afraid to receive that initial feedback you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about feedback it's like it's like when you fail or lose it's not necessarily failing as much as it is you're just absorbing the feedback so that you can learn from it and move on it's like, have you ever been at a live event and then you show up early when they're still doing sound check and there's the sound guy there and he's like, you hear that God awful, like, like the mic, you know, the microphone feeds back, everyone shrieks and it's just an awful experience. But the sound guy then dials it back to the frequency that it should be and then everything's fine. He wouldn't know where the limits are if he didn't bring it right to the edge. And then we have a wonderful event and everyone moves on. What he didn't do is just hit that shriek sound to say, you know what? I'm just going to just give this up and head home. I'm just going to pack up all my gear. Nobody gets a live event today. No, that's not how it works, right? My kids recently found a box in my basement of like my old CDs. And like these are CDs that I had, like something that I released before I even considered myself a recording artist. This is back, way back in the archives, right? And they're a big fan of the stuff I release now. They're my biggest fans. And I love that. But this one we put in and I'm like, what do you think, boys? They're like, this is awful. This is, why did you release this? <laughs> this is not, and it was awful. It wasn't ideal. But, you know, I had to release it to get the feedback to understand that, all right, this is not radio quality material. And it was the stepping stone for the next eight albums that would I release after that. And I'm glad they saw that contrast. Like if I could pass on any superpower to these kids, it would probably be the ability to not be afraid to look dumb. Like your first business fails, like whatever, you know, figure out what went wrong and then try again or pivot, try something different. Just keep moving. 
It's like when I tell a new joke in a club, like I just work on this joke all day. I'm like, this is going to be hilarious. And then you bring it to a room full of people and then all you hear is crickets, like no laughter whatsoever. Like what the hell? You know those Netflix specials when you see like Jerry Seinfeld or Dave Chappelle in their hour special? That's a result of thousands of hours of them trying different jokes and trying out different premises and punchlines and different ways to say it just to get that one hour of material. But like, how do you adopt that same discipline in your own industry? You see where I'm going with this? It's like by taking a chance, releasing the work, and then analyzing the feedback, you just repeat that over and over again until you kind of get the car into a good momentum and then it just starts self-driving. Once the momentum picks up, it might take you to a place that you never expected to begin with, but someplace that exceeds your expectations. I remember when I was younger, I just wanted to pursue a career in music. I just wanted songwriting to be my life. Okay, then my mom's like, forget that, you're going to college. I was like, what do I need an education for? You know, I'm going to be a country music rock star. So I went to college. I got an education in software. All right, so this is, I started a little software consulting company. It took care of that left brain, linear thinking side, and then open up my whole right brain for the creative side. And I could balance both of those and I, I allowed me to you know, manage my time. So now I could make my own hours so that I could focus on music and not have to worry about you know, being tied to the desk and doing that. I could kind of juggle both of them. All right. But at this time, no record labels were like, Hey, we want to, we want to sign the software guy to our record label. That'd be fun. Right? No, it wasn't happening. So I like, all right, I'll do it myself. So I went to Nashville. All right. I'm, I'm self-funded this album and I hired all the best guys. I had Shania's fiddle player and Reba's guitar player, Rascal Flatts keyboard player. I just, I made the best possible album that I possibly could on a $40,000 budget. And then I, you know, I was excited about it. I brought it back to Canada. I'm like, all right, I'm going to release this to radio. And wouldn't you know it, radio did not love it. It was not a hit by any stretch. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, I just, you know, I uploaded it to YouTube. I'm like, someone's going to find it. It'll just be a free treat for anyone who stumbles upon it. A couple years go by, I get this call from this ad agency in New York. I'm like, hello? And they're like, hi, we just saw your your new hit or your whatever the hell it was, your your new song, Break Free, on YouTube. I'm like, well, it's been up there for a couple of years, but I, you know, I appreciate you stumbling upon it. And they're like, we would like to use this in our ad campaign for this pharmaceutical product over the next few years. And I was like, cool. I didn't realize that music licensing was a big part of the music industry. I had no idea, but apparently it is. So the song would be used in this campaign. It was in a commercial with like Kevin Nealon and Arnold Palmer and Chris Bosch. It ended up paying off that $40,000 debt and, you know, it bought one of the co-writers a engagement ring for his now fiance. They put a down payment on a house. It was just, uh, <laughs> it would pay for the next few albums I released. One of them getting a CCMA nomination, a country music award nomination. I got to do a bunch of cool stuff. I got to tour the world, open for Keith Urban. Everything that I wanted to happen happened, but occurred in no actual way that I expected. So I just I just made the decision that I wanted to record this album. I wouldn't be able to afford that album if I didn't have the software gig, okay? I wouldn't have had the software gig if I didn't go to college. I wouldn't have gone to college if my mom hadn't have made me. All these perceived failures along the way were just another piece to the puzzle that would ultimately lead to what I wanted to pursue all along, which was songwriting. A few more years go by, I'm doing these theater gigs, and people are like, hey, that was a great show. You're really funny. 
uh, I'm like, thank you. You, you. Did you like the songs I played or are you just talking about the banter in between the songs? They're like, yeah, the songs were okay, but you should try stand-up comedy. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I chickened out for several years until uh, there was like a contest that I registered for. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to sign my name. That way I'm I'm held accountable. Like I have to show up now to this contest. Okay, so I did. And wouldn't you know it, uh, I lost. Okay, I lost the contest, but... I also didn't die, which means, what was I afraid of all along, right? So I pursued comedy, and I didn't know what that landscape looked like, but I knew that if I could just put the same sort of weird energy I did with music into comedy, that it would happen. I just need to go in some sort of forward momentum, and then things would happen, I'd roll with the punches, and we'd end up somewhere. As expected, we get to a point where we're trying everything we can and not a lot is happening. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'll do a YouTube channel and I'm just going to talk directly down the lens of that camera and I'm just going to try to make people on the other side laugh. And I did, but it was just, it, it wasn't going anywhere. I'm like, what is the purpose of all this? Like, am I, and I went back to that self-doubt type of like, Is it really, is there value in this? Does this matter at all? Like, I don't know. When you're in their most vulnerable moment, that's when the universe speaks to you, all right? And I got uh, a message, a text message from Mother Nature in the form of a tornado warning. So she sends this tornado through my neighborhood, and it destroys just about everything. And the neighbors are upset, and everyone, it, it, it was a disaster, right? So the next day, once we figured out there were no fatalities or no nobody got hurt it was just property damage i decided to make a funny video to make my neighbors laugh when you escape a near-death experience do you think your first instinct is to pick up a camera and try to be funny probably not but i was conditioned to do so because that's what i've been doing every day for the year prior so that's what i did i created this funny video and you can see it on youtube just go check out rory gardner tornado and you can see the whole it's like a cribs parody it's like oh my god here's my tree house because there's trees in the bedroom you know it's just it was kind of a funny thing at the time and long story short that video got shared all over the place it got me a invitation to speak at a ted conference tedx in colorado topic of resilience you know overcoming adversity using humor that video gets shared at PTSD conferences and therapists use it to treat their trauma patients. So that when I have these moments of self-doubt where I'm asking, you know, is what I'm doing, is there a purpose? Is there value in what I'm doing? I've got the answer in the most weird and bizarre and scary way that yes, what I do matters. Humor therapy is actually practiced in healthcare. Like laughter stimulates the immune system, reducing the effects of the stress hormone. So what I'm trying to tell you guys today is that I'm pretty much a doctor. No, seriously though, if, if you, but it, it makes you think like if you, even if you have a calling, just anything that you may think leads somewhere and you haven't taken that first step, that like you'd be doing the world like a huge disservice to not at least make an attempt. Like when you've been something through something like I have, your perception changes. Like we just don't get a second chance sometimes. So when you're looking at your competition and thinking, I could never do that, I, I, I don't even come close to that, it doesn't matter. There's room out there for all of us. Just by getting in that car and taking the journey, you never know, you might end up in a place that you never expected, someplace that exceeds your expectations. I'll wrap it up there, folks. Uh, I'll, I'll pick this up again in a different episode. I just, uh, I mean, again, I'm in kind of a rush. I got this flight to catch. I don't know. I, I'll tell you how it turns out. You never know. It's my first live event in a couple of years. I mean, I've been doing comedy and I've been, you know, doing a bit of music stuff live 
over the last little while, but this is be my first big event in a large venue with lots of people. So we'll <laughs> anyways, stay tuned. We'll report back. Thanks again for listening to this episode. And I need to figure out a catchphrase. Bye. That's all we've got for this episode of the podcast. We have new shows every week. So remember to hit subscribe and share this episode with anyone you think could benefit from becoming a balanced artist.